Praise God. You can be seated. And if you would turn to Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians 3, we've been studying for some weeks now about the wonderful subject of being redeemed from the curse of the laws. Anybody glad about this besides me? We could just shout for the rest of the service about being redeemed from the curse of the law, right? Give thanks and shout the rest of the night, and it'd be appropriate and a blessing, because it means something. And it's sad how so few Christians really have any clue of what it means. I mean, you know, there are all kind of people in this town that you tell them, ain't it good, you know? I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years and say, ain't it good, brother? We're redeemed from the curse of the law, and they won't have a clue what you're talking about. Is it so? Would not have an idea. Been going to church for 50 years and not have a clue what you're talking about. And this is not something that I came up with or you came up with. How long has Galatians 3 been here? <laughs> long time. And it's read exactly the same every year. Never changes. Let's read it again and get excited about it some more tonight. You want to? Galatians 3 and verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Who is that? Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Verse 9. So then, they which be of faith are blessed. With faithful Abraham. Verse 8, you know that we skip for time's sake, but we probably shouldn't have. Actually, we shouldn't have. Back up and read verse 8. <laughs> well, back up and read verse 7 again. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel. Under Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Is there any connection between the gospel and the blessing? Yeah. Oh, isn't that something good to see? And if somebody's really preaching the gospel, the same gospel that Paul preached, are they going to be talking about the blessing? They'd have to be. Because the gospel has been associated with the blessing from Abraham's time. Right? And here in the New Testament, it's being referred to again, gospel blessing. To a lot of people think all the gospel is, is you're going to hell if you don't change. Damnation and judgment, you know. Well, well that's not good news. That's not even good news. That's bad news. No, the good news He goes on to describe it right through this passage. Keep reading verse 9. He said, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 13, here's the good news. Ha! Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Mm -mm -mm. I don't hesitate to say thank God when we read that. Let's read it again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Glory to God. Being made a curse for us, for it's written, 
Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Is that good news? That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, if you haven't been with us, we went back to Leviticus and we went back to Deuteronomy and we studied the curse of the law, at least in some detail. We didn't do an exhaustive study of it by any means, but we looked at a number of passages and we saw that specifically mentioned is every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and every kind of failure and loss and losing your mind and the list goes on and on and on. Aren't you glad? You've been redeemed from all of that. Mm. But now, that I mean, at the end of verse 13, there's not even a period, is there? So, I mean, that's not the end of the thought. What does it keep saying? That will not hold up. What do you mean, that? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Right? Being made a curse for us, that is, as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That, in order that, he did all that in order that, what? The blessing. The blessing. <laughs> now let's just stop right here. Could you call these two verses the gospel? Yes. Yeah, you can. Because that's what he was talking about here prior. This is the gospel. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But that's not the end. Amen. He did it so that in order that what? The blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Woo! That's us. That's us. Is the blessing of Abraham, is that the big one? Woo! That's the whopper. The whopper chunk. Blessing. Is that right? Oh, man. That blessing came on him and changed his life. Right? I mean, he was protected. He was spared. He was directed. He was anointed. He was made very rich, the Bible said. Right? And through him, that blessing was so that through him, all nations would be blessed. And now we're told that by faith in Jesus, we've become the seed of Abraham and we become heirs of that promise. And that blessing is ours now, right? And so we are blessed. And through us, everybody around us will be blessed also. Said out loud, the blessing of Abraham is on me. Now, you couldn't say that too much. You couldn't think about that or talk about that too much because there are all kind of things around you in life that try to tell you that you're cursed or hexed or whatever, you know, the unlucky or you name it, all kind of junk. But you don't need to hear any of that. You don't need to agree with any of that. You only need to think and believe, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I got the same blessing on me that God put on Abraham. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed in my basket. I'm blessed in my store. Everything I put my hand to prospers and is blessed. Right? I'm blessed. Now you got to say it when it looks like and feels like that the last five things you did flopped. This is what faith is all about, right? If it always looked and felt like it, you wouldn't have to walk by faith at all. 
Just like you got to say, I'm led. I'm led by the Spirit. He orders my steps. He directs my path. When it looks like you took the wrong turn the last three times. That's especially now when you need to say it. <laughs> if you're laying over in the ditch upside down with your nose bloody. And it's obvious to everybody and their brother that you missed it. <laughs> That's when you need to get up and go. I am always led by the Spirit. Come on, I'm telling you, this is important. I mean, this is what faith is all about. Right? I'm always led. He orders my steps. He directs my paths. I'm always at the right place at the right time. And the devil will come and say, oh yeah, everybody can see how led you are. You say, shut up. You're in nothing to me and I'm nothing to you. Get. And then you say it again. I am always led by the Spirit. I'm always led. I'm always at the right place, at the right time. I always know what to do and I do the right thing. I always know what to say and I say the right thing. Now you especially need to say that when you just got through pulling both feet out of your mouth. That's what faith is all about, right? When you have done opened your mouth and said the dumbest thing on record. This year in 2005. But you, in spite of that, right? You repent and then when you go around the corner you say, I always say the right thing. I have the mind of Christ. And I always say the right thing and I keep my mouth shut when I'm supposed to and I talk when I'm supposed to. Now see, most Christians are not doing this. I said most Christians are not doing this. Most Christians, including meeting-going, tape-playing, note-taking Christians, are not doing this. They'll say something dumb and they'll mess up and they'll get around the corner and go, what is wrong with me? I know better than that. What is wrong with you? You always open up your big mouth and say the dumbest thing. Well, that's why you do it. You believe it in your heart. And you say it with your mouth, and it's going to happen again, and again, and again, and it's going to get worse. Hmm? A man will eat good by the fruit of his mouth. Right? So if you're tired of eating crow, (laughs) which is not eating good, right? Then change the fruit of your mouth. Change what's coming out of your mouth. And there will not be a better time than right now for you to start. Are you ready? Say it out loud. I'm always led, I'm always led by, the by the Spirit. He orders my steps. He, orders my steps. he, directs, my he directs my paths. He guides my words. He, guides my words. he, directs, my he directs my thoughts. I speak when I should. I'm quiet when I should be. I'm directed of the Spirit. I'm led of the Spirit. All the time. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. Now, you couldn't say that too much. The more you say it, the better it'll be for you. Working in your consciousness, and it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. He has a right then. You say that enough, and you believe that enough, you'll start to say something, and the Holy Ghost will check you. And you go, hmm, I better just be quiet a minute here. Why? Because you've given him a legal right. You've invited him. You've opened the door. Which brings us to the rest of the verse. Hmm? Why 
Did it say that Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law? You know, just being redeemed from the curse of the law alone is wonderful. But it didn't stop there. He redeemed us from that in order that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. And we talked about that last Friday night. But that's not all. What else did he say? That we might receive the promise. That we might receive the promise. What? Of the Spirit. Spirit. Keep reading. Through Through faith. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I want us to talk about that tonight. Let's think about this. We are redeemed so we can be free from the curse of the law. And so the blessing of Abraham can come on us. And what? To receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, another translation says it like this. The promised E.D. Spirit. The promised Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised through the prophets. Jesus talked about it. And then on the day of Pentecost, he came. And this is one of the central reasons why Jesus redeemed us. This hadn't been taught enough, has it? You know, when you get to reading this and thinking about this, it's like, we should know this. This should just be a part of our foundation. But it hadn't been emphasized as much as it should be. Aren't you glad the Lord's helping us with it now? Why did the Lord go to the cross? Why did he hang on the cross? People say, well, to save us from hell. Well, thank God that's involved, but that's your words. Let's don't use your words. Let's use his words. Why did he hang on the tree? He told us he became accursed hanging on that tree. Why? So he could redeem us. Glory to God from the curse of the law. And so that the blessing of Abraham had come on us. And what? That we would receive, like another translation said, the promised spirit. Well, let's talk about it. Go back to uh, Isaiah. And let's begin to talk about the promise. And then we talk about the fulfillment of the promise. Isaiah 44. The promise of the Spirit is one of the main reasons why the Lord hung on the cross and redeemed us. In Isaiah 44, are you there? Isaiah 44, 3. He says, for I will, now let's just stop right here, will is a promise. Right? Didn't say I might. Didn't say I'm thinking about it. What did he say? I will. Who's talking here? The Lord's talking. God's talking. So this is a promise from God. A commitment that he's saying something I'm going to do. I will pour water upon him that's thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed. And my blessing upon your offspring. 
Glory to God. When the Lord says he's going to do something, can you count on it? You can. He said, I'm going to do this. I will pour water on him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. I'll do it, he said. Now go to Joel. You remember this, don't you? Joel's prophecy is quoted in Acts when it came to pass in Joel chapter 2. Now, if you don't know where Joel is, be led. (laughs) But you could probably go to Malachi and start backing up if you're not sure. You know, that's just a rule of thumb. You can always do that. And if you go to Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, start backing up. It won't take you long. You'll find it. And Joel chapter 2, Joel 2 and verse 28, Joel 2, 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. That's a promise, isn't it? This is going to happen. Not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen though later. And of course it was a lot later, day wise and year wise. But it'll come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now that didn't say they'd all be prophets. Big difference between prophesying and being a prophet. Huge difference. Prophecy is akin to tongues and interpretation. It's inspired utterance. When you're speaking in tongues, it's an inspired utterance in a tongue you don't know. Now, the King James says unknown tongue, but really most of the time you look at it, it's in italics. The word unknown was added by the translators. But really, it's not unknown to God. And a lot of times it's not unknown to angels. And a lot of times it's not unknown to other groups of people on the earth. It's just unknown to the speaker. But it's inspiration, inspired utterance. The utterance doesn't come from your mentality, from your reasoning, or from something you've learned. Inspiration on the spur of the moment. You're speaking something that you didn't plan, you didn't rehearse, and in this case, don't even understand. Well, prophecy is very similar, except instead of speaking in a tongue you don't understand, you're speaking in your tongue you normally use. But again, it's by inspiration. It's not something you planned. It's not something you memorized. It's not something you learned. It's coming straight up out of your belly, innermost part of your being, and you're speaking by inspiration. And he said, this is what happens when the Spirit's poured out upon all flesh. Right? And if you think, well, I don't know about all that. Well, I'm not making this up now. I'm reading this out of the Bible. Right? And don't, if there's something you haven't experienced, don't knock it. Realize you're not an expert on that. You know? I had a fellow one time want to take me to task about speaking in tongues. (laughs) And I was real young in ministry. I wish I knew some things then that I know now. (laughs) 
But he, oh, he wanted to get testy about it. He said, well, you know, he said, that's not for everybody. Speaking in tongues is not for everybody. And uh, finally, I had to tell him, I said, well, now, do you speak in tongues? No, we don't believe that in our particular church. I said, so then you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? I don't know why people don't see that. I speak in tongues. You don't. So I should know more about tongues and talking in tongues than the person who doesn't. Right? So why would they feel so competent to teach me about how I'm wrong and they don't know anything about it? They don't do it. But you see that all the time, don't you? It'd be like a non-pilot telling me how to fly. Somebody that's never flown an airplane, never been in an airplane, but you're going to tell me, you know, how to fly. Well, it's sad that people don't realize how prideful that is. Right? How ignorant that is. That you wouldn't have enough understanding to realize this is an area that I don't know anything about. I have no experience in. I should be quiet and listen. And what a lot of people don't realize is something even much more serious than this. Do you remember when people accused Jesus of casting out the devil by Beelzebub? Do you remember what he told them and what he warned them about? He called that blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And he warned them that there's no forgiveness for it. I mean, it's one of the most serious things he talked about. Well, what did they do? They attributed the work of the Holy Ghost to the devil. That's what they did. And Jesus called it blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And if a lot of people weren't so ignorant and immature, when they pipe up and say that that talking with tongues is of the devil, they'd be guilty of the same thing. Now, to have some smarts about you. We ought to just understand, and it's not just with talking in tongues, it's with anything. You see some kind of manifestation that is new to you and strange to you. Why would you be in a hurry to say it's of the devil when it is such a serious thing that if you attribute the Holy Ghost work to the devil, it's so serious. Why would you be in a rush? I mean, even if it's strange to you, most of the time you should just be quiet and go, hmm. Well, what about that? Well, I don't know. But why would you be in a hurry to attribute it to the devil unless it was obvious that it was? So no, it's sad, you know, a lot of times that people, if they're not up on it, they're down on it. If it's not something they've experienced, then it's wrong. Well, there's a whole lot of things you hadn't experienced and I haven't experienced, right? But no, thank God, speaking with tongues, inspired utterance, in an unknown tongue is for every child of God. It is for every believer. Did you hear me now? Somebody says, well, I don't. Well, you can. Well, I've been prayed for 93 times. That means nothing. It means 93 times you didn't know how to receive or yield. Did you hear me? And I know what I'm talking about. Because I was a virtual expert at tarrying for years. I was prayed for I don't know how many times. I spent I don't know how many hours 
tearing with no results and left not speaking in tongues. And the only thing was wrong was my head. Had nothing to do with the will of God. It was my ignorance. Not knowing how to receive. Not knowing how to yield. I'm going to say it again. Very boldly. With no apology now. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking with other tongues. Is for every child of God. Every man. Every woman. Every young person. If you don't. It's still for you. You can. Amen. Don't take my word for it. Get in this book. Study. Seek God about it. Don't miss out. I was a Christian for years who didn't speak with tongues. Now I've been a Christian for many years more who does speak with tongues. So I have some experience about this. Right? And I can tell you without hesitation, with is much better. Much better. (laughs) Thank God. For the promised Holy Spirit. Thank God. One of the big reasons. Jesus hung on the cross. Paid the price and redeemed us. So we could receive. The fullness. Of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So so, Brother Keith. Are you saying that we're not saved. If we don't speak in tongues. You'd have had to jump through mental hoops. To come to that conclusion. I said, no such a thing. I was thoroughly saved and did not speak in tongues. In fact, the fullness of the Spirit is not available to unbelievers. Hmm? It's only available to believers, people who do believe. So no. Well, Brother Keith, are you saying I'm a substandard Christian if I don't speak in tongues? Again, you'd have to just invent that out of air. You know we didn't say anything like that. Oh, but don't be robbed. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. How many tongue talkers in the house today would encourage other people, hey, come on in, come on in. Oh, what a difference in your life. Right? What a difference in your life. So here he says, this is the promise. We've seen it in Isaiah and we've seen it in Job. Keep reading. He said, it'll come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On how many? How many? Now what we just got through saying? Everybody. 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 I'll pour out my spirit. Now notice somebody said well yeah, when you're born again you have the spirit. He didn't say you'd have the spirit inside. What did he say? See here's a key word. I will pour out my spirit what? Upon. Upon. Not within. Upon. Yeah, when you're born again, you have the Spirit within. But then there is an endowment of power from on high. The Holy Spirit coming upon you. Anointing you for service and prayer and and to be a witness. Glory be to God. (laughs) I'm going to say some things are just better felt than told. You try to explain it, but till you've experienced, you just don't know. So no, there's the spirit, and that's a whole other seminar. The spirit within and the spirit upon. And the prophecy and the promise is that he's going to pour out his spirit, what? Upon all flesh and what's going to happen? Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. You know on the day of Pentecost when the spirit came on them, they spoke. Right? And here prophecy is speaking. 
And this is the indication of being filled. Just like the gas tank on your car. How could you tell your tank was full even if your gas gauge was broken? Would there be any way you could know for sure that your tank was full? Hmm? How could you tell? Simple. Pull up to the pump. Get the nozzle out. And stick it in the uh, inlet in the mouth. Is that right? And start pumping. And what if you're not sure if it's full or not? Should you stop and go, Lord, I just can't tell. (laughs) Is it full? Is it half full? Is it a... Just keep pumping. Just keep pumping. Is that right? Just keep pumping and keep pumping. And when that tank gets full enough, what's going to happen? It's going to start kicking back out of the mouth. Is that right? And when you get full of the Spirit, it's going to start affecting your mouth. It's going to start kicking back out of your mouth in tongues, in prophecy, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And the Spirit-filled life is this life of being filled. People use that phrase, Spirit-filled, far too loosely. They really do. Spirit-filled church, spirit-filled this, spirit-filled ministry, spirit-filled business, spirit-filled, spirit-filled. It's just a name. It's a label now. And you hear people say things like this, you know, did you hear about that pastor so-and-so? He ran off with the piano player and the building fund. And you know, he's spirit-filled. Not that day. (laughs) And probably not a lot of days before that. Yeah, but I heard him talking in tongues the day before, like I said. Not that day and not several days before. Because spirit-filled people don't do stuff like that. That's flesh-filled people. (laughs) Right? Full of the flesh, full of the lust and desire of the flesh. And if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is that what the Bible said? So we know if people really are being filled with the Spirit on a continuous basis, then they're not going to be ruled by their fleshly and carnal desires. Right? So even if you got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues half the night 30 years ago, that's no indication that you've been full of the Spirit in a month or a year. Did you hear me now? Oh, he's there. He hadn't left you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But depending on how much you yield to him versus how much you yield to your flesh, day to day, you're going to be more or less spirit-filled. Sadly, a whole lot of people are less. How would you know? How would you know if you're staying pretty full? Huh? We'll hear it. It's going to kick back out of your mouth. It's going to kick back out of your mouth. Tongues and prophecy and psalms and hymns and so on. And that, you know, that doesn't mean you're a prophet. It just means you're full of the Spirit. Right? Well, <laughs> some people like it and some folks just don't know yet. So. <laughs> We're reading Scripture now, right? He said, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And when he pours out his Spirit, what would happen? Sons and daughters, 
would prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. Now this is another way of saying everybody. Right? Not just the rich and influential. Not just the prophets and the priests. As servants. Handmaids. Right? Dishwashers and plowers. Floor sweepers. Right? Everybody. Servants. Handmaids. What's going to happen? In those days will I. This is the promise, right? I'm going to do it. He said, I will pour out of my spirit. Did it happen? Did it happen? Go to Acts. Let's see the fulfillment of it. Glory to God. In the book, you're going to Acts chapter 2. But in the book of Luke, you know, he told him after he was raised from the dead. What is it? Luke 24, 49 or so. He said, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, wait. Now, you remember something had already happened. He breathed on them. Anybody remember that? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is before Acts 2. Right? Did something happen to them? Oh, yeah. See, up until this point, nobody could be born again. Sometimes we don't realize that the disciples, all the time they walked with Jesus, none of them were born again. You couldn't be born again. But then Jesus, once he had raised from the dead, and the price had been paid and the blood was on the mercy seat. This is the first time anybody had an opportunity. Well, just, I'm moving too fast here. Romans 10, how do you get saved? What do you got to do? You got to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What else you got to do? You got to believe in your heart. What? God had raised him from the dead. Well, nobody could believe that till it happened. And this is the first opportunity anybody had ever had to believe that. So then he is raised from the dead and they're seeing him for the first time and he breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But it didn't say, you know, this is before Acts 2. Nothing said about speaking in tongues or any of that. But we see a change in them. Before they're scared, they're behind locked doors, they're cowering. Now they're out in the streets. They're telling everybody, they got victory. They're born again. Right? Something happened to them. But then what does he tell them immediately after this? He says, but don't take off yet with your ministries now. You need to wait in the city of Jerusalem until what? Until you're born again? No. Till you get the spirit in you? No. Until what? Till you be endued with what? Power. 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 This is this anointing upon for power. So next thing you see, that's what they're doing. Hanging out in Jerusalem. Right? Hanging out in the upper room. Not waiting to get saved. They're saved. They believe on Jesus. They believe he's been raised from the dead. And he is their Lord. Right? So what are they waiting on? The promised spirit. (laughs) Before we read Acts, go to John. Hold your place in Acts. Go to John, please. Because Jesus reiterated the promise and emphasized the promise. John 7. John 7. John 7, 37. 
In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. He said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Sounds like Isaiah, doesn't it? If any man thirst, let him come to me and let him drink. And he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's quoting the scripture. He's referring to the promise. Right? And he's saying he is a vital part of that fulfillment of promise. And he was and he is. Verse 39 gives you a Holy Ghost commentary on what he said. <laughs> but this, I mean, what was he talking about? Well, here the Holy Ghost said, this is what he's talking about. This spoke he of what? Of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Glory to God. Should believers receive the Spirit? Notice he didn't say that unbelievers should receive and be born again. Are you getting some insight here? No, that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Oh, but it was close. I said it was close when he said that. But the Spirit of God moved him. It was in the feast, uh, it was public, it was a lot of people around, a lot of stuff going on, and the Spirit of God moved on him. I don't know if he stepped up on something where they could hear him, but man, it came out of him in force. (laughs) Can you hear him preaching to the crowds? He said, if anybody's thirsty, you need to come to me and drink. And like the scripture has said, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. This is one of the big reasons why Jesus came. Why he came, why he died on the cross, why he became accursed for us. So he could be redeemed and so we could get the blessing of Abraham. And so we could receive the promised Holy Spirit. If you hadn't received the fullness of the Spirit, you ought to be getting ready to right now. Because there's not any reason for you to wait another night. Get just as excited as the rest of us. They already think you're one of us. They know you come over here on Friday night. You might as well get the whole benefit. You might as well, right? You might as well just come right on in. And get the whole thing. Now we love you if you don't. But we know this is so good. We want to see you have everything we have. And enjoy everything we enjoy. You know we've lived this way so long. I just. I wouldn't even try to think how to live another way. There's nobody who doesn't need that. And particularly at the most, the crunch times in your life, 
Oh, how this shines. How important this becomes to you more and more. When there's been so many times. Well, I don't know what to do. Which way should the church go? What's the next step? I don't believe that I'm smart enough in my head to know everything and do everything. But I got somebody inside me who knows everything. And one way that this comes to me is by praying in other tongues and speaking in other tongues. The Bible says when you do it, you pray out mysteries. You pray out secrets, things that are secret to you, but God already knows. I don't know at the times I've been praying, speaking in tongues, praying and speaking in tongues. And just from the inside of me, up comes the light. I just see what I'm praying about. And I know what to do. How precious. Is there anything more valuable than that? This belongs to every child of God. The promise was upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. Upon all, this is not special spiritual equipment for a few holy few. For every believer. Everybody that will believe and receive. Notice he said, he that believes on me as the scripture has said out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Could you use some more living water? Where should you look? Huh? As close as your belly. And your belly's with you everywhere you go. Is that right? Talking about your insides. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But by the end of the chapter, it is recorded about how that he was offered up. He was scourged. He was crucified. He died. His body was put in the tomb. Oh, but three days and nights later, he was raised from the dead, free from sin. Right? Hallelujah. And glorified. Send it up out of their sight in the clouds of glory. So what was next then? The fulfillment of the promised spirit. He had told them. He had breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit. He did. They did. Then he said but wait. Tarry at the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. So in Acts. Are you in Acts now? In Acts. That's how it starts out. How many know that Acts is the Holy Ghost book? The title says, The Acts of the Apostles. That's a title men gave this book. You understand all the titles and captions and chapter numbers, all that stuff is not necessarily anointed or even right. It's the text. But really, because somebody said, what's wrong with Acts of the Apostles? Well, there's more in here than Acts of Apostles. There's Acts of Evangelists. There's Acts of Prophets. There's Acts of Disciples, just laity we might call them in believers. But most importantly, it's the Acts of the Holy Ghost through all these folk, through the church. And it's the Holy Ghost book. If you read it and underline everywhere it says Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, you'll see virtually every page. Said the Holy Ghost said this. The Holy Ghost did that. Holy Ghost forbid them from doing that. Holy Ghost directed them to do this. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. They had their big, you know, church conferences of all the thousands and thousands of people represented. And they'd talk and they'd pray. And at the end of it, they'd say, it seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us. That's how they concluded. The Holy Ghost was so real to them. When it came time to send missionaries out, they didn't just vote. They didn't just say who wants to go. They prayed and they fasted. And then the Bible said, the Holy Ghost said, 
Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Glory to God. Should and can the Holy Ghost be this real to us? Is he supposed to be that real to us? Yes. And anything less is less than what Jesus went to the cross and paid for. Somebody said out loud, the Spirit's my guide. He lives inside me. He illumines my mind. He empowers my spirit. He teaches me. He brings all things to my remembrance. He even shows me things to come. I'm spirit-led. I'm spirit-empowered. I live by the Spirit. Hallelujah. How many understand, you can't properly talk about being redeemed if you don't include this. Right? Because this is one of the main reasons we have been redeemed. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. By hanging, becoming a curse and hanging on the tree. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Now, Acts 1 and 2, let's read about what happened and how this, I mean, we need to see this with the respect that we should. How many prophets God had spoken through for how many centuries about this? Right? I mean, this is no small thing now. This is huge in the kingdom of God. For centuries, this had been foretold and prophesied. And when God talked about it, we've got to hear it from God's perspective. I believe God talked about it with excitement. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, people got this religious drudgery, you know, perspective. And God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. People who portray things like this in their books and in movies don't know God. They don't know it. So everything's spooky and mysterious and weird and depressing. <laughs> but you can see, not just in one place. I just gave you a couple. There are more. In time after time, as the days go by and the decades, from century to century, there'd be times when God would move on one of his men or his women and they'd have to prophesy. And it was so important, it was recorded for all posterity. And he'd say... After a while, won't be long, but in the last days, I am going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Even on your servants and handmaids, everybody, all flesh, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. And the prophets that prophesied about it those centuries ago, they'd go, man, I wish I could live long enough to see that. When is that going to happen? The Bible said in Peter that the angels wanted to look into these things. And the prophets, they wanted to, oh, I hope I get to live long enough. And they, they saw it from heaven. And they're apart now. But you and I live in the day. How many understand nobody has ever lived later than us? Nobody has ever been in a later day than us. And this is the day. 
since Acts 2, this is the day that the Lord has made of the pouring out of the promised Holy Spirit. Read about it. Acts. Acts. Chapter 1 says that they were waiting, you know. In verse 4, Acts 1, 4, being assembled together, Jesus had commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but do what? Wait Wait for what? Did you put that with Galatians? Why have we been redeemed? The last thing he said on that of the gospel was so we'd receive the promise of the Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. Which says he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Oh, glory to God. Do we see? Jesus is excited about this. Can you see this? He said, oh, (laughs) wait right here in Jerusalem because the promise of the Father is just about to be fulfilled. The Spirit of God. So, verse 6, when they were come together, you know, they asked him and then he was taken out of their sight, went up in glory. And remember, that was part of the criteria when the Holy Ghost was going to come because it said Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, here it happens. And in verse 2, excuse me, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, how many understand the feast of Pentecost had foretold this? Century after century. It was, every time they had this feast, they were demonstrating the prophecy. Demonstrating the promise of God, what was going to happen when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, let me stop right here. They're not just waiting on the Holy Spirit. They're waiting on the fulfillment of prophecy. They're waiting on the fulfillment of the promise. A lot of people take this verse in Luke 24, 49 and practice tarrying to receive the Holy Spirit. I did for years. Wrongly. Did you hear me? Well, he told them to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. So we follow that biblical example. No, no, no. Notice it didn't say they were waiting for the Spirit. It didn't say and when the Spirit decided to come. What happened? When the day, the day, the day that had been prophesied, when the time was fulfilled and the promise was completed and kept. Right? Then the Spirit came. And how many know He has not left? He has not gone anywhere. He came on this day and He's still here. He's still here. People are talking about, well, I have to tarry and wait for the Holy Ghost to receive him now. No, you don't. He's here. I said, he's here. You're not waiting on him. They were waiting on him until the day. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, guess who's here? Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Because he was from heaven. 
as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon, 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 not within, upon each of them. Oh, my, my, my. Guess who's in the house? Who is in the house? The Holy Ghost comes. Oh, my, my, my. This has been building for centuries. God's been referring to it for centuries. He's coming. I'm going to send him. He's coming. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And here's the day. They're all up there together. They're focused. They're doing what the Lord told them. He said, wait right here. Wait, wait. And when the day came and prophecy was fulfilled, God kept his promise. And he sent the mighty Holy Spirit, his own Holy Spirit from heaven. And when he came in the room, he wanted everybody to know he was there. He could have come in and nobody known. Now, let's just stop right here. The Bible talks about even being born of the Spirit. We're the same Spirit we're born again of, the same Spirit we're filled and endued with power of, not three or four Holy Ghosts, same Spirit. Different work of the same Spirit. And, you know, Jesus told Nicodemus when he's asking about being born again, he said the Spirit of God and those born of the Spirit, he said it's like the wind. Right? And what is wind? Wind is air. In motion. And we tend to think of air. So between you and I right now. Is there anything? People tend to think well there's nothing. Oh there is. Atmosphere is not nothing. The air is something. But you see through it like it's not there. Right? Well if you don't think atmosphere is nothing. You ought to fly too high till you run out of it. Your engine won't run. You can't fly. Oh, no. This is, what is it, eight-something pounds a square inch or so? Is that what it is? I mean, it is, what is it? 14.7 what? Pounds per square inch. inch is the atmosphere's weight on us and on everything. So you got that amount of the atmosphere and the air pushing on you and weighing on you right now. That's why you can breathe. There's pressure there to push air in your lungs. That's why it's so easy for you to breathe. You, you don't have to try to suck air from nowhere. It's already pressured to your mouth. You just have to go, let it in. But we're so used to it until it, people refer to it as nothing. You're looking through it right now at me. I'm looking through it at you. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. He's here. You don't see him. You don't. You can't say I feel the air right now. But now when it gets to moving. Oh come on somebody. When the air. Gets to moving. Huh? Hold up your hand. Right in front of your face. Blow on it. You feel that? What'd you feel? You didn't see anything. Do it again. 
Look while you do it. You see it? You didn't see it. But you felt it. Why? Because it's in motion. Moving. The Holy Spirit's here. He's in you. He's on you. He's around you. All the time. Most of the time you can't say, well, I see him and I feel him. Oh, but he can move. I said he can move. And when he moves, it's like the wind. It's like the air moving. Only it's not physical. It's bold but very real. Spiritual. He's real. Spirit of God. I've had the Holy Ghost come get in the chair with me. I said, what do you mean? What, I thought he was supposed to be in you, Brother Keith. He is. But he's also in you. He's here and he's in Antarctica. And he's in heaven. Right? Remember the psalm said, if I go to the highest place or the deepest place, you're there. He's everywhere. But not in manifestation everywhere to the same degree. The longer I go with this, the more I see one of the biggest problems in us not being spirit-led and living the spirit-led life as we should is just simply not paying attention. Not paying attention to him. Like Brother Hagin used to always say, Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, he said, you know, people, so many people are seeking after the spectacular and all the while missing the supernatural. They're seeking after something spectacular. They're trying to see a vision. They're trying to hear an angel. They're, they're trying to have a hot flash and a cold flash. And, and, and all the while, the Holy Ghost is in them. Endeavoring to lead and direct and teach, but it's not flashy enough for them. So they try to make something happen. Friend, don't try to make things happen. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to push till God moves. God is moving and you don't know it. He is moving. He's moving all over the place. He does not need anybody to try to make him move. Or to tell him how to move and when to move. Not you, not me. What he's looking for is people that'll go with him and yield to him and co-op and recognize him. Recognize him when he's saying something. Recognize him when he's moving and go, yep, 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 yep. Here I go. I'm going with him. That's him. I'm listening. I'll do it. Come on, guys, now. Not looking for the spectacular, but recognizing his abiding presence. Is the Holy Spirit, is he in you? Is he upon you? Those that are yielded to him particularly, is he upon you? All the time. All the time. But like the air, you get used to his presence, you're not aware. You don't think about him. Oh, but the more you pay attention to every time something comes up, every time you need to make a decision of any kind, you don't just start racking your brain or asking 12 people what they think you ought to do. You start looking inside. You go, okay, Holy Ghost, you're with me. You know everything. And don't try to hear a voice. I said, don't try to hear a voice. I said, don't try to hear a voice. And don't try to see things. Don't try to feel physical feelings. You'll get off. The Bible said the Spirit of God bears witness 
with our spirit. What does that mean? Bears witness. Spiritual sense. Spiritual knowing. There's somebody inside you besides you. This is a big subject to cover on one Friday night. All I wanted to do, though, is I believe the Lord directed us to, is to stir ourselves up to see how important this is to the master. And to see this is one of the principal reasons he came and hung on the cross and redeemed us so that we could have the blessing of Abraham and receive the promised spirit. The promised spirit. Stand on your feet. Let me pray over you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.